Well, hey, friends, it is so good to be with you today. If you are joining us online for worship for the first time, my name is Jason Wooliver. I'm the directing pastor here, and we're so glad that you have joined us. Our scripture for this morning is Psalm 30. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and it says, Psalm 30, a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Fall upon us today as we study your word. Open our hearts to what you're saying to us. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is week two in this five-part midwinter message series, Songs of Courage, where we are looking at selected songs and prayers from the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Last week, we looked at Psalm 27, which was written by King David when he was in the middle of a very tight spot. He was surrounded by enemies. An army was in camp against him. People were breathing out violence against him. From a human point of view, the odds were completely stacked against him. And yet at the end of the psalm, he declared in faith, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he said, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The psalm we're looking at today is slightly different. It's a psalm that David wrote after he had come out of a very dark period. He was on the other side of it, and he's praising God for rescuing him. He says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up, and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. Oh, Lord, my God, you brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Now, we don't know the exact situation David is referring to here. As we read the stories of David and read the Psalms that he wrote, we learn that he went through many very dark times. He lived through betrayal by his loved ones. He wrestled with intense shame over his sins. He often feared for his life. He lived through the loss of a child and friends. And apparently during this season, described in this psalm, even his health was greatly affected. Perhaps you've gone through a time when you were so distressed 
that your health declined. I was reading this week that prolonged seasons of despair can lower our immune system, increase our blood pressure and heart rate, and cause significant muscle weakness. Stress from grief can cause our bodies to be flooded with hormones like cortisol, which cause that heavy, achy feeling which lays on our chest. David was so severely affected by the distress he was experiencing that his enemies were looking upon him expectantly, awaiting his death so they could take advantage and seize power. But in David's distress, he cried to the Lord, and the Lord rescued him. The Lord healed him, he says. Now, the imagery that David uses here is something that we can all probably relate to. He uses the imagery here and elsewhere in the Psalms of being in a pit, in a miry pit. He said, God, restore him to life from among those who go down to the pit. He prayed in verse 9, what profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? He starts this off by saying, God drew me up. In other words, God pulled me out of the pit. The metaphor of being in the pit, again, we still use this metaphor today. Wiktionary.com defines a pit of despair as a feeling of utter dread and that there is absolutely nothing that can be done to improve the situation. That's the kind of scenario that David is describing he had been in in this psalm. And having no way out and nowhere else to turn, with his enemies circling like hungry vultures, he cried out to God and God healed him. God metaphorically brought him back to life. God drew him out of the pit. Psalm 103 is another great song of courage. David again there speaks to himself, calling his soul to bless God and calling his soul to remember the benefits of God. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Often when we talk about what God does for us, we talk about the benefit of forgiveness. Sometimes we talk about the benefit of the healing of God. But how about the third benefit that David mentions? David says, remember, O my soul, the benefit that he redeems your life from the pit. Did you know this about our God? One of the benefits of being his is that he redeems our lives from the pit. It's part of who he is. He doesn't leave us in the pits we find ourselves in. Now, I've read in different places that when people are going through deep grief and pain, they can fall into three errors or the three P's, as they are referred to. The first of the three P's is personalize. Sometimes people in dark times blame themselves for circumstances that are out of their control. If someone dies, they might blame themselves for the person dying. If only they had done more, they could have saved the person. When we personally take credit for bad things, which we didn't cause, we compound our own pain through the cognitive error of personalization. The second of the three P's is pervasive. When people in dark times, they can sometimes see everything through the lens of their current difficulty. Perhaps you lose your job and you see life, the universe, and everything through the lens 
of your job loss. You can't see the fact that you're still physically healthy, surrounded by people who love you, and highly employable. When we fall into the pervasive error, we see everything in life through very dark colored glasses. The third P is permanence. When we fall into the permanence error, we mistakenly think that the darkness that we're feeling right now will go on forever. Like, I'm in this dark, unimaginable pit today, and as long as I live, I will always hurt this bad. Clinically, I can tell you that this is a cognitive distortion. Experts say even the deepest grief starts to lighten around the six-month mark, even though it might not ever completely go away. But that's not even bringing God into the mix. We have a supernatural God who raised Jesus literally from the grave, and one of his stated benefits for believers is that he redeems our lives from the pit. So if you are in a pit right now, cry out to God as David did. Ask him to work on your behalf. Ask him to heal your broken spirit. Ask him to strengthen your soul. Ask him to change your circumstances. And remember that as long as you are in the pit, he is in the pit with you. He will never leave you, fail you, or forsake you. Now since David is writing this psalm with the intention that it will be used in a worship setting, He says in verse 4, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. When David refers to the saints here, he's talking about the faithful people of Israel, the people of God. In the New Testament, the word saint refers to those who have chosen to put their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It's another word for believer. And David is calling all of us believers to sing praise to the Lord and worship him because he says, his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. In truth, David did some things that made God very angry. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. David got puffed up with pride and took a census of how many fighting men he had, even though he was warned that this was a faithless act. And when David got really off track, like any good parent, God allowed David to experience some significant discipline. It actually appears that in this particular pit that David was in, it was the result of his bad behavior. But he says in verse 5, even still, his favor, God's favor, is for a lifetime. You might want to underline that line in your Bible. If you have accepted God's offer of forgiveness through repentance and faith in Jesus, you have been adopted into God's eternal family. Through faith in the only begotten Son of God, you have become one of his eternal sons and daughters. We all need to learn to see God as the most loving, nurturing, protective father imaginable. Yes, he has high expectations for his children, but he also has unlimited love and favor for us when we fall and wants to keep getting back up and he helps us keep getting back up. 
and try again. And if you didn't have a very loving father yourself, perhaps you had a friend that did, you need to think of the very best human father you could imagine and then understand that God is infinitely more wonderful than that. Part of love is discipline and allowing us to experience the consequences of our actions so that we'll learn. But the favor of God never goes away. David says it is for a lifetime. You know, when I was a teenager and young adult, my dad and I had a very strained relationship for a number of reasons. But one of the things was that I always struggled with trying to earn my dad's approval. I was just never sure that I had it. And probably lots of times I didn't because I was doing things that weren't very good. But part of it was simply that my dad and I communicated love differently. We had different love languages, if you're familiar with that idea of love languages. Dad was a fairly quiet man, and he expressed his love by doing acts of service for others and giving gifts to others. On the other hand, my primary love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch. So later, I could look back and see all the love that Dad showed by the way he served his family and the things he gave for us and did for us. But when I was young and struggling, what I felt like I needed was big bear hugs from my dad, him holding me so tight and speaking audibly, I love you no matter what, you're my son. That just wasn't how he communicated. When I was 28, I was part of an education program that really caused me to look deeply at myself. And I realized how much I had always struggled with not feeling I had my dad's approval. As a result, I wrote my dad a heartfelt email and I explained all of my feelings. Dad wrote me a letter back. I printed it off and I keep it in a folder in my office some 18 years later. He explained some things in the email about the difficult time that we went through and what he was going through at the time. But the last paragraph is what really, really was something I needed. He said, Jason, I've always been very proud of you. Now I am very proud of your family and your future. And then he wrote in all caps the word love. And he said, love is always there. And as we mature, all things come together. Love, Dad. I can't tell you how much those words meant to me. And I don't have a photographic memory, but I can tell you, I have the words from my dad. Love in all caps. Love is always there emblazoned on my brain. I can pull up that picture of that letter anytime I need it. And I know, I have it in writing, that his love was always there, even when I didn't feel it, maybe. You know, dad passed away two months later, but I have it in writing. He loved me my whole life long. His favor was always there. You know, dad's moms, it's never too late to put in writing to your kids how much you love them. You don't know how it might carry them long after you are gone. But we're applying this to God. David says his favor is for a lifetime. When we step out of obedience with him and experience the consequences, his favor is still for a lifetime. When we know the problems we're experiencing are our own fault, 
His favor is still for a lifetime. If we've accepted his offer of forgiveness and adoption through Jesus, we are his children and his favor is for a lifetime. And we have it in writing in many places in God's word. We can go and we can read it. His love for us is unimaginable. One of my favorite places is one that Pastor Bruce mentioned in his Christmas Day sermon. It was from the letter of 1 John chapter 3, which says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. We also have the love of God displayed in the cross. If your love language is acts of service or giving gifts, God showed his love that way too. As it says in Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So let me give three applications from this song of courage. Number one, when you are doing well, stay humble and obedient. David says in verses 6 and 7, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, and then I was dismayed. David had made a mistake that many of us make when we're doing well. We begin to think that we have made it to the top of the mountain by our own smarts, efforts, or superiority to others. And the scriptures teach us that nothing is more dangerous than this kind of pride. As it says in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. History is replete with examples of leaders rising to incredible heights only to fall to utter ruin in their pride. In retrospect, David could see clearly that it was God's favor that had taken him as far as he had gone. And this was absolutely true. Sure, David had grit and faith, but he was only ever king because God chose him from obscurity and granted him success wherever he went. And David could see that his pride was unfounded and that his disobedience had led to this in-the-pit experience. So the lesson for us is to beware of pride at all costs. See everything you have as a gift from God. Your life, your intelligence, your work ethic, the place you live, the opportunity you have. They are all gifts from God who continually gives gifts to his children. We are merely recipients of wonderful things that we don't deserve. And we also need to stay obedient to God. We need to humbly stay in line with God's will revealed in God's word, no matter how good we're doing. And then we need to humbly confess our sins, as David did, when we get off track and be restored to strong, healthy, happy, spiritual vitality through God. Number two, we learn from this psalm that when we are in the pit, when we're down there, we need to keep believing and praying. Remember, one of the benefits of being a child of God is that he redeems your life from the pit. So don't let Satan fool you to thinking that you're alone when you're in the pit. God is in there with you. He will never leave you. And he absolutely cares more than you can imagine. Don't let Satan fool you into believing that the darkness will last forever. It's simply not true. When you are in the pit, keep 
believing and cry out to God over and over. Keep praying for relief. In verse 8, David says he pleaded with God for mercy. In verse 10, he says, Hear, O Lord, be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. Sometimes when we're in the pit, Satan would make us feel so ashamed of being there that we don't even feel worthy of begging for relief. Follow David's example. Even if you're in the pit of your own making, God loves to answer your prayer for help. He loves hearing and responding to the prayers of his children. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You are his kid, his disposition toward you is favor your whole life long. You can charge before him. He loves giving mercy and help to those who humbly ask for it. And don't be afraid to ask others to pray for you as well. We all fall into the pit sometimes. And often God draws us out through the prayers and the support of other children of God. And if you ever need to talk to a pastor or a staff member or a caregiver, please reach out so that we can pray with you and for you if you are in a pit. Finally, when you come out of the pit, tell others about God's goodness. One final thing about David that we see in this psalm is how he is really good at telling everybody when God does deliver him. He would write songs about it. He knew he had the responsibility of sharing the good news of God's love with others. He says in verses 11 and 12, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. There are many reasons why it's important to share our testimonies of what God has done in our lives with others. One is simply the scripture tells us to. Another is that God wants to use our stories to encourage others as they are going through their hard times. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1.4, that God comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. This is one of the reasons why I love having retired pastors like Bruce Rushing and Danny Cox and Bob DeBold around. They've got such crazy stories from their lives in full-time ministry, and they lived to tell about them. It's really good for me to hear their perspective. And you have stories to share as well. Stories of how you were in the pit and eventually God pulled you out of it. And God taught you all kinds of things about who he is and who you are. And God brought his people around you to help you. You know, I thought it might be a cool thing this week. If you're in our Crossroads Facebook group, we could all share stories, testimonies, of how God had brought us through hard times. Perhaps you haven't ever put it in writing, but there might be somebody going through the same thing that you're going through, and they would really be strengthened by hearing how you were down, but God pulled you out. Whatever the case, we need to give glory to God for his faithfulness, for his favor, and let others know that we worship a God who redeems his people from the pit. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for all the ways that you've blessed us and that you strengthen us. God, I pray for everyone today, no matter when they're listening or where they're watching. God, I pray that they would feel your love. I pray that they would feel my love for them. I pray that you would 
just help everyone to find healing in you. I thank you for your grace. Thank you that you care. I thank you that you're there even when we don't see it, don't feel it, don't understand. I thank you, Lord, that you never leave us in the lion's den. You pull us out. You rescue us. You never leave us in the pit. You pull us out of the miry clay. God, let us believe. Let us pray. Let us stay humble. Let us stay obedient. Let us love. And now, Lord, we pray together the prayer that you taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let us declare what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.